Alright. So, I don't know why I'm welcoming you to this. You're already here. Um, you've clicked on the link, you've downloaded it, you're streaming it, you accidentally stumbled upon it. Don't really know why you're listening, but thank you for doing so. If you could please bear with us for at least 5 to 10, maybe even 20 more minutes, then you might enjoy it. This is another Broken English Podcast. Although they're going to love this one. I hope so. My name's Hugo. <laughs> My name is Bola. And we hope you enjoy the conversation we're about to have. So right now it is a Sunday night in East Vancouver, uh, November 10th. Evo Morales has stepped down as the Bolivian president and uh, we are both ecstatic about that. Well, one and a half of us. I'm still just, just getting up to speed here. Yeah, Bola is digesting the ins and outs, but the podcast will not be about politics because of the fact that we don't know enough about Bolivian politics. We only know basically an overview. What it will be about, though, is what's going on with broken English films and also this movie we saw the other day called Parasite. So the, actually, this this is actually a good po podcast to talk about, to talk about uh, foreign films. But if, you, if you're into foreign films, you should go and check out Parasite. It's a Korean movie. And I mean, what can I say about it? It's really, really good. I mean, this is the stuff that the reason why I go outside of North America to find these interesting gems like this film. Now, just to give a little background on it, it's basically without revealing too much. It's just about this. The film is a Korean film, South Korean film about this family. And basically the professional mooches, to say the least. And then the film pretty much watches the you pretty much watch them through the film exploiting this mm -hmm. upper this rich upper class family and then all the exploits that comes from that now for those of you that don't really know too much about it you may have seen some of the writer director's other work uh, it's of course done by Bong Joon-ho who I actually work with here on a movie called Okja um, I mean he's done a few other notable films. Some of you might recognize him from Snowpiercer or Mother. Uh, yeah, the the guy's really talented. Right, he did the Snowpiercer movie. He did the film, yeah. Okay. Um, which was... They did that here too, didn't they? I don't know. They didn't do that here. They did no, no, that was, that was the one where Chris... TV well, show was here. No, the movie actually with Chris Evans, right? Yeah, I didn't know they did that here. I'm pretty sure they I did. I think they did. Or maybe that was they the TV Okja show. They did Okja here. Or maybe they're thinking the TV show they do here. Yeah, the TV show they definitely do. Okay. That's, maybe, that's the one I'm, that's, maybe that's the one I'm thinking about. But I thought they did the movie here too, but maybe I'm mistaken. For, for anybody who's, not, who's listening and doesn't know where we are, we're in Vancouver, right? And this is Hollywood North where a lot of movies are shot. Yeah, no, it was done in uh, Austria and the Czech Republic. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm, <laughs> I was just a little off. So it's only listed with those as the locations. Um, but it's... For me, it's just why I love foreign films, right? Because I feel like there's a lot of things that you just... They don't... Or a lot of types of films that you just... They don't touch on. Or just maybe some subject matters that you don't get uh, to see here that much. And then also, this is like a really dark comedy, right? Uh, 
Well, it's a dark comedy. It's it is pretty funny throughout most of it, but then it gets pretty much progressively dark, right? But that's that is typical for this director and this kind of film, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in Korea. One of my favorite films of all time is Old Boy, and I feel like that. I mean, you've seen I've seen Hollywood try to remake that one and then fail miserably. So the Spitely one wasn't good. <laughs> Did you see it? No. Oh God. I love Spike. But it was just one. It was it was just didn't work at all. It was and and John, and don't get me wrong. Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin is a good actor, and Spike Lee is a great director. But this one, it just didn't. It couldn't. There's you can't really hold up to a film like that, or or it's just high too much high expectations to actually be able to hold up to the original film. But basically, yeah, the remake just failed big time. Yeah, I never saw the remake. I saw the original. But I mean, going back to Parasite, um, the reason why that film worked on, and cliche as it sounds to utter this phrase on so many levels, was visually it was astounding. Um, yeah. Each shot of Korea was just beautiful. It illustrated the class system perfectly. Um, and I'm saying it illustrated the class system perfectly, not as having an insight necessarily into Korean life, but more so the overall dynamic of a class system where you have sort of the, the more, the minimum wage workers that work harder jobs and find that they have to make concessions and stuff and the jokes that were going on around that. Yeah. But the, the cool views of your drunken downtown revelers who are just disrespecting the streets around them in whatever area it happens to be versus that of the very rich and the very affluent and how they can just have anyone do what they want and you speak to them the wrong way and it's a problem and yeah um, the other thing that was superb about the film is I kept hearing and I also read in a couple of reviews there's this big twist and with regards to the twist um whenever you hear that a film does turn a certain way, the whole way through, you're like, when's it going to happen? I didn't know about, I didn't know about the big twist. Well, there you go. That's the right way to go into it. <laughs> I didn't know. I did know about the twist. This is, this is why I avoid reading about, about these films before. But again, this is what we spoke about with regards <laughs> to Gemini Man. Yeah. I, I think that it's good to know how you're going to spend two or three hours of your time. I disagree. Like, some, I sometimes don't even want to even know what the plot is about, to be honest with you. Or just just give me the skinny of it. I don't need to know any more than the slug line. You know what? I understand completely the perspective of being given a good premise and going, I do or don't like that. I get that. But I do find, um, especially if you go to the theatre, like we mentioned the other time, if you go to the theatre and you're going to spend 20 bucks on a film, I want to know that it at least has some steam. And some steam can be, you know, just everyone saying, everyone not saying it's outright shit. If it's outright shit, I don't want to waste my time on it. I, I, I'm not, I know I, I get what you mean, but when somebody, when I'm reading it something and it reveals to me that this movie has a twist, to me it's almost like... It's almost like telling me the ending of the film before I watch it, because now I'm <laughs> now I'm watching the film and I'm waiting for something instead of just being lost in the whole thing and then having the twist just surprise me. No, there's something there's something perfect about that. There's something great with regards to watching a film without any 
expectations mm-hmm. going into it that way. I don't think there's anything to really worry about with regards to hearing that there is a twist or the ending is amazing or anything like that. The end, if I hear the ending is amazing, then okay. I mean, I can live with that. But if I'm being, but I just feel like if if there's a if I know there's a twist coming up or there's going to be something switch, there's going to be something to anticipate. Then I'm watching the whole film and I'm just trying to anticipate that moment. Trying and I, to figure out. And I, and I agree. It changes and my thinking. I agree. And what I would argue with that is I'm not necessarily saying mm-hmm. I like to hear that something has a twist. My, my reviews angle and saying how I read reviews and follow through with reviews is more so to do with the fact that whether I can or cannot expect to have my time wasted. The reason I brought up the twisting and having that told to me beforehand was because if you just watch the trailer for Parasite, it yeah. refers to there being a twist. Does it? Yeah, it says you you end up thinking it's going to be this, and then it ends up being that, or something like that. Oh, so the trailer actually says something. The trailer something like that. is what really was what spoiled it. I didn't read many reviews. I'm also looked at the scores of the reviews of the film. Well, this is exactly what I was just saying. For me, this was a film where I just only even all I saw was the poster for this movie, and then a couple of people. Well, somebody else and then you recommending it to me. And I didn't even really even know what the thing was about. I just heard, okay, it was a foreign, in my mind, it's a foreign film. I recognize the director. Seems to have an interesting uh, 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 poster, basically. That's all I've seen. And then, okay, a couple of people threw it in my mind. So I'm like, okay, I got to go see it. Not even knowing what the whole, what even the, the basic underlying premise of it was. I just knew I was going to watch a really dark film. What's funny is uh, there's sort of a meme that's emerged from it, which I knew was going to catch on from the get-go. Oh, really? It's, uh, you know, when Jessica's standing at the door, and she's like, Jessica, um, Chicago, Illinois. And she has this whole thing with her fingers in the air, just sort of prancing towards it, and then she leans in and presses the doorbell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of become a thing. So the actress that played her has kind of a thing where she teaches people how to do this particular da 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 Maybe we should have said spoiler <laughs> That's people. not a spoiler. That's not a fucking spoiler. How is that a spoiler? <laughs> what is being spoiled by saying that there's a point where a character says those lines? That's not a spoiler. Mini spoiler. That's one. not even a mini spoiler. That's not a plot twist. That's nothing. It's not a plot twist, but it's just... That's like saying a line of dialogue is, um, I walked in there. It's not, it's in no way, no way. You just gave up the whole movie right yeah, there. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> but I I do, I mean, I recommend this going into movies cold. Definitely. As cold as possible. Definitely. I, I get that as well. Um, but I will say in an age where there is, especially in most uh, cineplexes, where 90% of it is just crap that's processed and gets put out there. Yeah, that's true. Knowing a little bit more about what you're about to do, it, it, I, it's different. If, it, it's, it's completely what? different if you're talking about Netflix. It's completely different if you're talking about Spotify, whereby you can just sample, and if it's no good, you can move on. Right. I, I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, how do I? I don't know. You make a good argument for once. Um. <laughs> for those, just for those that cannot see this, I. I scowled and my eyebrows. <laughs> you made raised. you've made a good you've made a good point because of what you've said. There is a lot of garbage out there, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I and I say that 
and I say that very, very vigorously, there's a lot of crap out there. And then you find yourself spending 20 bucks going into something and it's like, that was a complete waste of my time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that. I, I do get it. But I'm just saying that you just, sometimes it's just, you got to go on your whims. And I think if you have a good feeling about something, you got to go with it, right? Yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> I think if you have a good feeling about something and you just go right into it, and then you'll be always pleasantly surprised, right? Even when, and the the least, the, um, the more you don't know, the better. I agree with the aspect of the more you go into a film um, knowing just the overview. Yeah. Brilliant. Especially but especially with your favorite directors or genres. That's just for me. It just seems more fun and entertaining. I, I agree with that. I wouldn't dispute any of that. What I am saying, though, with regards to Parasite was I'd seen a trailer. They said in a trailer there's a big twist. Didn't predict where the twist was going to take place. <laughs> Throughout the viewing experience, um, if you were watching it with a nagging thing of when is the twist going to arise, which I'll admit I did have that in me, um... <laughs> there was there was no it wasn't as if there was a point where it would have been appropriate for the twist to happen and then it happened it happened at the most organic place right. and worked it didn't feel forced to me it, it, it didn't but I'm just saying uh, all I'm saying is for me for I know the kind of viewer and the kind of person I am and if I just knew that was coming up I would be psychoanalyzing everything that was being said and just scrutinizing things more than usual, looking at things and just in a different way, within the back of my mind, anticipating something is going to flip here. Even I was, in fact, I was doing that even without knowing there was a plot twist. Because I think towards the middle of the film, I kind of sensed something was awry. Yeah, well, I mean... Well, it, something was awry, like, I, I, I'm... I'm we're, we're being maybe deceived here. But I mean, we don't want to get too far into it. But um, I didn't. I I mean, obviously, the deception is a key element with regards to the film. Oh, sorry, but, I didn't mean deception, but um, maybe I should rephrase it. I was trying, to, I was scanning for... How do I say? But without without giving away too much... To me, it was. I started to, towards the middle of it, I kind of started to say, "Hmm, is is who is she who she is, or is that guy who she who he says he is, or or are they who they say they are?" And then maybe trying to guess certain things or something, if you know what I mean. I think that's something where you should have given the spoiler introduction to it. I didn't, I didn't reveal anything, did I? Yeah, closer than what what I think about saying <laughs> there's a twist. Anyway, um. Needless to say... I think they know at this point there's, there's going to be a twist to it. It's anybody, is what, it's anybody that's listening to this. I mean, I think if there's a transcription of this, it's going to say that word frequently. <laughs> anyway, I would definitely recommend Parasite. Um, ideally, to be seen in a theatre. Definitely, it's suitable for that. Um, what are your views on seeing films like that in the theatre as opposed to... Because I know quite a few people that have, as of late, been saying to me they were really only going to theatres for the big screen event. Like something done with big special effects. Like whereby uh, they or something? Something, yeah, something like that. And I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you that. You didn't watch any of those movies. I haven't you? seen them, no. Not even, not one of them. I mean, I've seen 
a couple of the Marvel films, but I haven't seen any mm. of the other. Actually, tell I, Sasha and I snuck into, and she'll probably get mad, even though <laughs> I don't know why. It's not a problem. We got away with it. Anyway, we <laughs> snuck into uh, the Avengers at one point. but Which we, one? The first one. The first one. We'd seen another film, and then we snuck into seeing uh, the Avengers, and I think we were probably about half an hour in, and because when you arrive to a theatre too late, it ends up being too packed. We're too close to the screen. <laughs> You're those so close. <laughs> well, we're sneaking, we were just we're sneaking in. We're sneaking in. We're, we're sneaking still, in. It's not the same thing. If you listen to the, the first thing. episode, we go on a diatribe about those people who just walk into We that. were sneaking in, all right? In no way is it the same thing. If you have paid for your ticket, all right, right. if you paid for your ticket, you have no excuse as to why you're showing up late. Knew when it began. <laughs> You're cutting no corners, etc. Anyway, we snuck in, and uh, the view wasn't great. Oh, the sound was too loud. Surprise. So we were just like, you know, we saw one film already. It's time to leave. Right. And so we left. Um, but it didn't really grip me. Bearing in mind, I hadn't seen 20 minutes, half an hour, like the key elements of the story build. And so, yeah, it didn't do it for me. Not to say I wouldn't necessarily give it the time of day to see it again, but... Um, the first the first ones for me... The first one for me was... I, to be honest with you, I didn't even like it. Um, I, w- I watched it on Netflix, mm-hmm. actually. I caught it, and I was like... 20 minutes into it, I thought I was watching a video game. Mm-hmm. The thing is with the whole Marvel Universe, I've been, I was kind of in and out of it in the beginning like there was some films that I really enjoyed and there was just some that I just didn't for so I only caught and for me I only caught the last few like the last two or something like that and I thought they were entertaining there were four Avengers yeah yeah there was Aven- the, the Avengers there was the, um, Age of Ultron Infinity Wars and then Endgame okay yeah so there was four of them but then there was all the films that surrounded them, right? You got Iron Man. Uh, I mean, whole... I've seen some of those. Yeah, all those films, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that whole universe going on. So they, I mean, this is you got to understand. There's like a big ecosystem that they've created here, with all these films that surround them and then tie in Ant Man, um, uh, Doctor Strange. I really like that one. That was good. I, li- I enjoyed that one, right? So you have to see. So the thing is, there's very something very unique about this Marvel Cinematic Universe that they have because they've created all these films around uh, that just revolve around one plot line, and then they all kind of merge together. I mean, it's it's also pretty good that every one of those films was successful. I mean, that's remarkable. It's not remarkable. It's remarkable. It's not I mean, remarkable. <laughs> I mean, think about it, Raptor. I mean, think about it, Raptor. It's pretty think remarkable. About you get your big star rapper. And everyone in his group puts out an album, and all those albums tend to do pretty well, at least for the first one. Then maybe the second ones that they release is going to go nowhere. Yeah. But it's not. If you have one big hit, you'll have things around you that are big hits. And it's a comic book engine. A comic book engine yeah. is going to... Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as if this is unsolicited, unsolicited yeah. material. Not, But not all the comic book movies have been great, though. Doesn't mean that they haven't been successful. I mean, it's not. I, I'm talking about financially. Yeah, so yeah, am I. Financially, They've been successful. Financially, yeah. I can't think of one comic book film that hasn't hit um, big what? bucks. I mean, big bucks. Yeah. I mean, the the Hulk's weren't. 
big. Oh, Hulks did well, didn't they? Not really. And I actually, they kind of seem to be the. If they, I remember, I actually like that Hulk movie that didn't do too well, the Edward Norton one. I didn't see the Eric Banner one, but yeah, I like the Edward Norton. That one was panned. I mean, there was that one had mixed reviews, right? It, or just I think the, the what Wasn't was that it? Ang Lee? Yeah, Ang Lee. I think that one just underperformed. That was the thing about it. It underperformed, and sold the and the second one maybe was a little bit more successful but it wasn't gangbusters right i think the reason that those weren't well not the reason that those weren't but why everything subsequently has been is because they've gotten into the engine like right yeah. now i'd say post iron man everything that's come out right. has been a hit yeah uh, not just a small one yeah. it's been massive it's gone every single film uh every single spin-off film has been huge and I don't see that slowing down whatsoever well I don't know where they go from here after Endgame because everything pretty much ties up at that point well I mean I as I say I haven't seen it but I'd read somewhere that I think they were mapped for at least the next five if not ten years of different films that they've got <laughs> in the in the web that extends from that true I mean yeah, I don't know who else they got but then then you realize you know Disney now has Fox, so now they got the X-Men back. So they can just do a whole bunch more with that. Right. Yeah. So we got that. Actually, but, that brings up the flop. What? Dark Phoenix. I never saw okay. that, but, yeah, that but that actually... Yeah, I, I did, that one didn't do so well. But the thing is, what I was talking about was just in terms of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's That was part of the whole Fox X-Men thing. You, I mean, you have to realize that Disney or Marvel licensed the X-Men to Fox. So mm. it's not, it wasn't Disney pretty much. It wasn't Disney, uh, that wasn't a Disney production. Yeah, but you still assume it would have hit. Uh, like, yeah. Because it had, what's the name? What's the, do you know the name of the actress that played uh, Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones? I've forgotten her name. But it had her in the lead. It had I uh, no idea. Jessica Chastain and a... I'm like James McAvoy, I think, and a bunch of big names. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those films where I just saw the trailer and I wasn't really interested. Everyone <laughs> I spoke to loved the trailer. Right. Did they see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the just... Like, they loved the, the trailer, but the they, film... They loved the trailer, but they, <laughs> they didn't watch the movie. Okay. Not precisely. But we were segueing into something. Yeah. What we'd initially said, you got to calm down on... On your alcohol and your drug intake. <laughs> what we'd started with was um, how I had said that I appreciate seeing films in theatres and I don't need to necessarily just see the spectacle of a massive explosion or someone wearing overly tight fitted suits with capes. You know, I like a good film to be a good film. I like to see... I like to support uh, film as an art form and be a patron of good product. Which is also why I like to read reviews, because if it's a quality thing, I like to see it. Okay. This boils down to personal taste, right? Well, yeah. there, there's people, like I said, there's the whole gang of people out there that love those spectacles, right? Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I wouldn't only go to the theatre to see, a, well, to a movie theatre to see a, a spectacle like that. Neither, neither do I. I mean, they just it just gets a little bit tiring when just seeing one spectacle after another, right? But, like I said, there's a whole audience for that stuff, right? 
Um, but we you were talking about basically what you go to the movie theaters for, right? Uh, to a degree, yeah. I mean, I go there to support the arts. I go there to support a well-done picture that I'd like to see there. I don't yeah. necessarily need it to hit the keynotes of... Uh, of as we were describing these Marvel monsters <laughs> right. and everything they managed to achieve. Right. I can go there and watch something very dry, very drab, watch a good documentary, whatever it happens to be. Right. Right. I like both. But I do prefer the art the that I do prefer the ones that are, yeah, deeper meaningful, right? I could not for myself see a Marvel movie every damn time I went to the movie theater it would just get really really exhausting you ever seen any David Lynch films not recently you've seen like the big one Mulholland Drive right I don't think I've saw, I don't think I've ever watched that one so uh, my brother and I it's went, an old one it's probably circa 2001 something like that yeah so me and my brother saw that in theaters and it was one of those amazing experiences whereby when everyone came out from the film afterwards Literally, people would turn to one another and go, what the fuck was that? <laughs> what on earth did we just see? Was that a good thing or a bad thing? It was good because it was that much of engagement. It was the idea of it being a puzzle that needed to have other people explain to you what peace meant what. Yeah. That's... <sighs> and that's what I live for, too. Coming out of a theater and just kind of... And a film that kind of leaves me asking questions. Well, there was a great quote by Bob Dylan, which was, uh, I think he was asked what his lyrics meant, or yeah. something like that. He goes, I wrote it. I don't know what it means. That's up to you. <laughs> right, right. And that, that's the same sort of thing you find with Lynch films. Right. And I think those are the best movies. That that right. leaves you asking questions, and there's, not, and there's also more than one interpretation in terms of what it was. I love these conspiracy things that you find these days with regards to YouTube, etc. Um, whereby people find or interpret aspects of a film uh, that aren't necessarily true or false. Like, for example, Jordan Peele's legacy with regards to um, Get Out and Us has been people have tried to make different comments on different aspects of it and what this means and what that means and what... Like, for example, people will go on about us with regards to the red jumpsuits, which symbolize this, and Hands Across America, which symbolizes that, right. and different things would get out as well. I find those really fascinating because um, I I tend to not delve that deep into these films. Like, I love them, but I don't try to right. pick apart these different iotas, and some of these people do, and some of their arguments are compelling, and some are just ridiculous. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those things you see them all over YouTube or something mm. like that, where it's people are trying to dissect the whole film, right? Mm. I think a lot of that is reading too much into things. I just find it fascinating the type of uh, viewer that does that that has to. I don't think. I mean, at least from all the writers I've known. I haven't really seen many people go to that extent of trying to sew more 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 into something. I mean, the question for me is, you I see all those things and then I kind of ask myself, <laughs> did the writers actually put that in there or is that just the audience member seeing something from their own perspective? Again, I think it depends on how long they spent writing it. Right. It's just hard to tell. I mean, it's an interesting... 
Or who knows? It's like I said, this whole thing is subjective, right? Mm-hmm. Even if the writer didn't put it in there, I think it's in, it's maybe it does. I mean, even if the writer or the director or who the producers didn't intentionally put this thing in there, right? It just could be one of those things that just works. No, I think there's by accident. I think there's a beauty to these interpretations. I think that. Uh, the understanding. I mean, you know, when I write stuff, I do put things in there. I do include subtleties that I hope will translate onto the screen that I hope people will or won't get. And then I do chip away to try and make it as subtle as possible. That's a deliberate thing for me. Yeah. Um, But it's just interesting to think the amount of time involved in creating something like an us in terms of writing it, in terms of going through the many, many layers of production. It just seems like the amount that people see into it is an astronomical uh, number. I think that's just what naturally happens when people are really into it. When you actually make a film that gets a lot of people interested, it's an interesting film, right? You watch, like, for example, The Godfather. It's one of those films that just grips you. Like, it just takes you over, right? You're gone. It's amazing. And I bet you, you can see a million things in every frame of that film. Because you're so immersed in it, right? I mean, what a lot of people don't get if you haven't worked, uh, especially on larger productions, is the amount of intricacy that is involved in these things. Some of them, you will have things down to the subtleties written in uh, a shirt pin that no one will ever see. Yeah. But it will actually be present there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of detail that goes into these films, right? And there's a lot of departments and people working on it. So there's all these things that are... More than you even realize what's being done, what's actually being constructed for this film, and the things and the level of detail that's been put in to these things is um, um, far more than you can realize while watching the film. At least for the first time. It's interesting. I went to, uh, I think it was 2003, something called a two-day Hollywood... Well, I won't get too much into the title, because if I get into the title, everyone will know exactly what, I've, uh, what I'm referencing. Um, and if you do know what I'm referencing, I'm sorry, but this is a lie the man told. <laughs> he was talking about Jurassic Park. Um, and he was going... That these budgets are crazily inflated in Hollywood in terms of the numbers they put out. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, Jurassic Park, there's no way that costs, like, I think it was somewhere like 90 million or something like that. The first one? Yeah. He's like, there's no way it could be that high. And at the time, as an indie filmmaker, I'm like, yeah, there's no way it could have cost that much money. But then you work in film, yeah. and you think of those sums, and you're just like, no, no. That is perfectly reasonable for something that required that much to have cost. I, I, yeah. I know. I still have questions about these budgets these days myself. But why? I, because I'm like just... You work, you've seen the, the per diems that people get, <laughs> yeah. the different pluses you get, I, like being put up in these hotels, um, I, the I, wardrobe bonuses, the actor bonuses. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. The amount of stuff that's cut that they paid for anyway. I I mean, I get, I know the money's going somewhere, but it's just sometimes it just kind of, I scratch my head and I'm like, man, this is like how, I scratch my head and I ask, how much are these films going to be? Like, 
20 years from now. Because when, when I see a film cost $250 million, right? I'm just like, is there going to be a day where a film costs $500 million? Set, I mean, will a, will a film in the future ever cost a billion dollars? Well, I mean, the thing is, is there are uh, contrasting... Or is this an, an inflation thing? There, there's a lot of contrasts that are arising because while you have um, more films dependent upon CGI and computer-generated... Uh, well, I was about to say what CGI meant. And, and VizFX. Um, that's going to come down in price as it becomes easier and rendering becomes faster. Talent, again... The, the age of the celebrity wavers each, yeah. each year. So you get like YouTube celebrities and all the rest of it. But as there becomes an abundance of available talent who are big names, it's harder to say, well, if Will Smith is in a film, he can be a $20 million man and uh, we can bank on that because now we can't guarantee the celebrity thing is there, etc. So I don't think that budgets are really going to keep inflating that much. Uh, I hope not because it just creates a really weird situation when you have like those astronomical budgets like that and that are pretty high already but uh, like I said it just becomes a weird situation when you got things that are hundreds of millions of dollars and sometimes I'm watching the film and like where the hell did it go? I I don't find it to be that <laughs> odd though and the reason I don't find it to be that odd is if you just look at the breakdown of things where we've been involved with you look at the amount of work that has gone into the set deck that has gone into the location, that goes into feeding people, that goes into unionised rates for different things, that goes into having stand-ins and, you know, all right. these post-production things, uh, reshoots and so on and so forth. It just seems to actually be... Uh, no, reshoots are a big one. Yeah, reshoots are astronomical in price. Yeah. But I just, I get it. I... Well, here's okay. Well, here's how much do you think? Like, you look at a movie like *Parasite*, right? And I'm looking at this from a from a filmmaker point of view, right? Um, and also from a studio point of view. Now, if I want to, I think if to maximize my money, I would want to go out there and just find some really great ideas that don't cost a lot of money, right? And then get them out there, because, like you said, we don't need. I don't think not everybody. There's not. There's there's a market outside of a two hundred million dollar Marvel movie. Yeah, well, that, there there is, but the thing is, a two hundred million dollar Marvel movie is guaranteed to make a billion. Yeah, I get those ones. <laughs> no, I do get those ones, right? Definitely. But like I said, sometimes I just see these budgets for some of these films, and or the abundance of these kinds of big blockbuster things, and a lot of them flop. Right. Yeah, but from the business side of things, these are all tax write-offs for the studio when they flop. Of course, they're not going to necessarily greenlight the same people that are associated right. with it, and they're not going to necessarily make the same thing out of a fear of the repetition of these failed products. But um, when you look at the accounting, it all measures up. You agreed to pay the director this. You agreed to pay the star that. You needed these locations, etc. I I really I do I do hope I do hope that is the case that they're not taking astronomical losses but also another thing that gets me worried is, is that uh, uh, spectacle spectacle takes over proper storytelling I, I agree but that's like what I was what we were saying earlier um, it's because they sell tickets 
spectacle, if it sells tickets, if people do have the approach, I've got people I care a lot about um, that won't go to see your average simple talking drama, that won't go to see yeah. a documentary, yeah, that won't go to see something that doesn't have, oh, wow, that's an amazing aerial shot of the jungle. You know, things like that. If there's not a big budget thing associated with it, something grand that needs to be seen on a 120-foot tall vista, they're not going to part with their cash. Therefore, it, it's, all, it's all logical. How much, how much was the budget for Get Out? I don't know. I'd guess I'd say between between ten and twenty. Yeah, but 10. I don't know that. It was something like that. It's I not going to be high. It was. I think it was uh, Bloomhouse that produced it, and it had Jordan Peele associated. Yeah. Other than that, at that point, none of them were that big stars. Like they were all recognizable faces. Probably the most being Catherine Keener. Yeah, and but how much did that movie make? Like, oh, they made stupid amounts. It yeah. easily. I mean, I don't know the figures, but I, I wouldn't be it, surprised if it, it made 200 million. I'm, whatever it was, it was a great return out of investment. Massive. Right? And that film cost probably, it, it, that would be a considered a low budget film, I would assume, maybe. Low budget or, has now become, or I think it may have even grown from that. Low budget, as of about five years ago, was 2 million, was considered a low budget. All right. Okay. So anything up to two million was is considered low. Low, right? Let's just well, we just know for sure that movie didn't cost hundreds of millions of dollars. It probably just like I said, ten to twenty million dollars max, right? Including post production, marketing, and all that stuff. But to me, that's just another. It's just a fine, fine example of when you get a good story, you get a good story, good storytellers, wonderful performers. And it doesn't cost you that much. And then what drives it is, is is the ex the the experience of the movie didn't have to cost that much. And then look how much money it makes, right? And this and this wasn't a big spectacle, you know, thing. Right, but you also must understand that it's an anomaly. Yeah, really I th I just think when things are well done, you got a great story and it's well done. It, I don't. I would never consider that an anomaly because it's like if somebody makes a good film, people are going to want to watch it, and a good film can be made with just a few million dollars. I think a good film could be made with next to nothing. And exactly. I mean next to nothing, not a couple of peanuts. Being next to nothing. Peanuts however, in terms of film. However, it, I definitely have to point out it has to be an anomaly, and it has to be an anomaly because you look at the way things go. If you look at your parasites, which I would really rank highly and recommend it get seen that is not going to do the same as a commercially pumped product that is not going to do the same as a marvel film so saying well, no. that so saying that the idea that it isn't an anomaly for a film like get out which was a really good film but it isn't the norm you get lots of really good films that go fucking nowhere yeah because that's just the end of it um. You don't have the marketing dollars. You don't have the engine behind you. And even if they do have that... Like, you ever seen a film called Stardust? No. Stardust is a fantastic film. Stardust was written by Neil Gaiman. Now, it oh. should have done amazingly. It's a cute sort of, I suppose, Princess Bride type tale. Type tale. It's not like the Princess Bride, but it's that sort of fantasy thing. 
I'll tell you who's in it. Claire Danes is in it, who at mm. the time of the film was quite big. I mean, she still is big, but she's right. big in TV now. Yeah. With Homeland. Gotta love that show. Had Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Little cameo by Ricky Gervais. Like, it should have, on paper, performed. Yeah. What happened with it? It just didn't do it just, well. Just, just didn't like, go anywhere. All the reviews, great film. Right. I've seen it. I own it. Great film. Great film. But it didn't perform. But it didn't perform. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't know all the dynamics of what was going on. Because, yeah, there's a lot of things that goes on with when you release a film and what's going on. In the situation, the climate, the, the the what kind of movies was this was it what's this surrounded by when it opened? So I'm not I'm really not sure. Um, and what I was saying is basically it doesn't. I'm just saying that usually you it doesn't take it doesn't take a whole lot to make a successful film if it's just done right. I know sometimes they could fall through. I know. I know things fall through the ground, fall through the cracks. I've seen it before too, but I'm just saying you don't need two hundred million dollars to have something that could be successful, or a hundred million dollars, or even fifty million dollars. I mean, there's just there's a lot of great opportunities as a filmmaker to just make something that's like ten million dollars, and if it's got a really great idea, if it's a really great idea and it's well done, it has it has it has it has the opportunity to do really well. I don't think it's an anomaly. It's an anomaly. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I fully support the idea. And I also engage uh, by doing by us making films a lot less than that sum. I engage with the optimism of it being really successful. But look at things by the numbers. Mm. They don't tend to get that. I think it's... it's your, some things... Like, look at, if you can come up with multiple examples, that's different. But when you look at it... Who owns the top spots? Mm. If someone yeah. gets there that isn't sort of part of the Marvel engine or the Star Wars engine or whatever, it's unusual. Joker, again, was part of that whole thing. Now, it's a film I still really want to see and everything, but Joker was part of the engine. We have established comic book characters yeah. in a film. Yeah. Done. Well, the thing is about the, the thing of this about the Joker, too, is that, um, okay, yeah, definitely it has that advantage of being based on a, a Marvel character. It's not Marvel. It's DC. Sorry, come sorry. On, <laughs> come on. Shit. You might not know this. I think we me. just. I think. <laughs> you actually. You saw the fucking film. I think it, they just lost a lot of people right there. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. I mean DC. Part of the DC. But also, I mean, yeah, it is part of the DC. But DC hasn't it hasn't been as successful as Marvel Correct. for the last little while. And then you have to understand also, this wasn't a typical comic book movie. Yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do with the point. The point and, and, do... and the budget wasn't hundreds of millions of dollars. You know? Bullshit. That budget's going to be at least... <laughs> no. I think it was like least... 50 or 60 something. Look it up. I think it was like... I can't remember what it was. I'm betting it's at least 90. Or maybe I am foolish. I'm betting it's, it's at probably least 90. 90 or something like that. It, but it wasn't, it wasn't like... It couldn't be huge. I mean, it couldn't be. It's not like there was mass anything massive about that film. Whatever it was, it wasn't Avengers or... Justice League or anything like that because it wasn't that kind of movie. Now I am curious what the budget was to actually come to think of it now. I'm not finding but budget. What I could like, but basically what I was saying is that I think when you have a really interesting, interesting concept, it, you the potential there is 
really real. It's real. Like it is something that people don't, people love to see a good film, right? Now, obviously some genres work better than others and some concepts work better than others. But at the end of the day, a good film is a good film, right? I wouldn't deny that in any way. And you're, I mean, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm in no way saying that, I'm sorry to answer your question. According to Wikipedia, it's projected believed budget was 55 to 70. Right. And thus far, it has made 985. Oh, look at that. Now, but... We're talking about budgets But here. But you're confusing the two things. What you're confusing is you're saying that it requires X to get Y. I am not saying it requires uh, a large budget to have a very successful film. Right. Neither am I saying I only think large budget films should get any sort of... Uh, success. I completely disagree with that. I think all quality films should get their time, etc. I'm just saying the likelihood mm. of the success of a Get Out or anything like an Us or something like that is few and far between, even though they are great. There are many great films that don't see the sort of shine and publicity that gets associated with them. And of course, also, Get Out and Us had behind them the previous celebrity that was Jordan Peele through Kim Peele. So right from the get-go, you want to know what this man that you've been watching for six or seven years on Comedy Central, and then before that on Mad TV, you want to see what he's going to do. And then you've got the engine again that happens to be Bloomhouse Productions, who do a wealth of horror films, who right. you've already got the odds stacked in your favour, but it's an anomaly that a low-budget film or arguably though, is yeah. going to do as well as any of these juggernauts. Well, I'm just saying a good, a well-done low-budget film. Again, I, a well-done low-budget film is fantastic, yeah. but whether it will be able to perform to that, <laughs> I don't see it performing to that. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not always on that same level, but it can achieve something. But isn't, but isn't, ah. Uh, conversation about on that same level <laughs> it could have, on no no i wouldn't say like i said not all the time it doesn't have to necessarily no like i said look at it from a studio point of view if something cost me four million dollars to make and it makes 30 million dollars yeah 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 but I, I that happens yeah that happens but i'm saying i'm coming from that point of view but i'm saying if it costs four million dollars and it happens to make you know a hundred million that's a big anomaly. <laughs> that's a I, yeah, I know that's a big anomaly. You know, so yeah. if Get Out costs five to twenty million dollars and it ends up making um, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, whatever it ended up grossing, yeah, that's not normal. That tip, yeah, that's yeah. If you're talking about that, then yeah. What I'm referring to is just mostly just saying that a, a good, well done, low budget film also is a great mm -hmm. investment. It may not make $200 million from $4 million, but like I said, it's still, I mean, it's still, I think it's still, there's still something there to work with. What do you mean though by to work with? In terms, like I said, if I, if just saying that, that's like what I was saying before, something costs four or $5 million and it gives me, and it gives me a return of uh, investment of 30, $40 million. It's still something. That's fantastic. No, yeah. no, no, no. We're, we're going 
we're, we're saying two different things because I'm in agreement completely. Yeah. I'm just saying films like a Get Out or whatever they'd end up mm. doing way beyond what they spend. Like it's it's like any real investment. If you put a dollar in and you get four dollars, ten dollars back, you'd be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. If you put a dollar in and someone goes, here's twenty thousand, that will blow your mind. And I'm saying films like the Get Outs are your one dollar investment giving you ten thousand. <laughs> right. Yeah, they are not that, frequent. Right. Okay, I guess what you mean. Those kinds of those kinds of successful low budget films, and right? I mean like a Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, and I mean for us with broken English films, the aim, is, the hope is to generate a profit, but we're just trying to do quality material, and we're just trying to make great films. And yeah. if you don't um, download it or stream it <laughs> legally. Or I'd, see it in a theatre, we'll find you. and uh, You'll be on every torrent site looking at your comments. <laughs> we will. We'll be there. We'll be there. Don't worry, we can track IPs. We deal with the dark web. We're on all of that. How do those studios track your IP anyways? Or like, get? oh I guess, oh I guess maybe they look at everybody in the peer list or something like that and they send letters. We don't know anything about this. Yeah, I've, I've, what I've heard from my friends... You know, yeah, it's just and acquaintances who've downloaded stuff. Yeah, never us. We would never download anything. Never at any point because it's unethical and it is stealing, and we would never take away from the creator because we would never do that. I wanted to talk about something, and that is pause. There somewhere, or probably in that smoke detector. There, you never know. Just assume. But I, I wonder. I wonder. Um, Should we record an outro for that last one? That's what I was going to say. Let's do that and then let's try for another. Okay. Sure, this is... Uh, by the way, I was recording that whole thing, by the way. Which one? <laughs> what we're just talking about here. <laughs> about the, the government and everything. Well, we're going to edit that. Well, don't don't worry. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> what are you worried about? I'm not trusting you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, that podcast. And um, <laughs> what else did I say? Uh, uh, well, let me restart that again. I hope you... Well, that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. It's always enjoyable having these great stimulating conversations about film, cinema, and, and the art of filmmaking. All right, and so until next time, we will see you guys later. Adios. That's right, brokenenglishfilms.com. If you want to email all your hate mail, it's bowler at brokenenglishfilms.com. And all your praise and, you know, right. adulation. Just bear with us, guys. This is a work in progress. Hugo at brokenenglishfilms.com. I repeat. <laughs> Don't worry. My, and your hate mail will not go directly to my spam folder. No, it won't. It won't. I, I have we, a folder. We've set up filters that won't, oh shit, in any way do that. <laughs> I have keywords that it puts it in special words. Anyways, <laughs> until next time, folks. Watch Bye out, for now. Watch our films.